Bet365 sponsors 1874, the Aston Villa podcast brought to you by The Athletic, and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sport. The domestic season returns at the weekend with the Community Shield, and Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online sports betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bets. And if you can't watch the game live, with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Welcome to 1874 on The Athletic, the podcast that brings you the definitive word on Aston Villa Football Club every single week. Really special podcast today, which obviously I'm really excited about, talking to James Chester about his time in Claret and Blue. But first up, as ever, joined by Greg Evans. Now, Greg, there's a lot of panic on social media at the moment about Villa and transfers. I'm still quite calm about it myself because obviously there's plenty of time left in the window. But have you got any news, any developments for us on the transfer front? Yeah, this, I mean, look, there's plenty going on behind the scenes. The club are looking at getting, bringing in three or four players that can go straight into that first team, as I've been writing for some time now. I mean, we all know the, the areas that they're looking at. They want to get a striker in, maybe an, another wide player as well. Um, and also, as I reported last week, that Tom Heaton would not be fit for the start of the season. They're obviously looking at a goalkeeper, um, you know, somebody who can come in maybe to to support Jed Steer and Oyen Nyland or um, you know maybe even push Tom Heaton in the future. I don't think they've quite made up their mind yet and who they want to get in. Um, so it's just conversations that Christian Perslow, Dean Smith and, and Johan Langer will, will be continually having and just checking out the market really. I mean it's it's a slow moving market, isn't it? Nothing really has happened and the fact that you know the Champions League finals only just finished I just think that I think it's going to all kick into life a lot later in the window. Um, Obviously, Dean Smith would like to get players in on board as quickly as he can because it's in his interests to mould them together quickly um, and get them ready for that September the 12th start. But it's a slow burner at the moment. But I think as as September approaches, and we're only three weeks away from the season now, aren't we? But as, as September approaches, I think we'll start to see it hotting up. On the goalkeeper front, Greg, do you think it's it's Premier League experience they want for that position again, like, like they did with Tom Hayton and like they did with Pepe Reina, really? Do you think that's what they're looking for? Yeah, it's what I what I reported in my, in my story last week. The club have you know two two players with Premier League experience that they're looking at currently, um, and are just mulling over other options and seeing what's best for them at the moment. Uh, you know, there's quite a few goalkeepers moving around. You know, there, there are other clubs looking for keepers, and um, you know, it's just interesting to see to see what they what they go for because. It's a it's it's a decision that they need to make. Do they buy somebody who they feel can potentially turn into a number one, or can seriously compete Tom, uh, with Tom Heaton for that number one jersey, or somebody who just comes in as a more of a backup and an understudy to to cover for when he's out uh, for, for when he's out and and when he comes back, he you know he comes straight back in. So I think it's still conversations that they're having, but. Premier League experience would be ideal because you know Villa have gone down the route of of trying goalkeepers that, that haven't played in the Premier League before and it hasn't always come off. So I think they're mindful of that. 
I would push you for names, but I know that you won't give me them. But if you do want to go back and look at those pieces that Greg just mentioned, right now we're offering listeners of this show the opportunity to try out The Athletic for free. So you can enjoy all of the great writing on the Villa from Greg, including the recent article on the club's hunt for a new keeper and a piece on how the club are willing to relax the wage structure to improve the squad. Just go to theathletic.com slash villapod to sign up for a 30-day free trial. That's theathletic.com villapod and you'll be able to check out what Greg's been writing. And now, Greg... It's a weird one for me, this, because I kind of feel like um, we're about to do a podcast with, with an absolute hero, which for me, where we are, it's, it's James Chester. I've, I've been going on about him all season, and now, now he's about to be on our podcast, mate. Yeah, really looking forward to, to speaking to James. He obviously did a column with The Athletic during the lockdown period, and you know we all got to know him a little bit better, and it, it was great for him to share some of his football experiences with The Athletic. So uh, looking forward to, to going over some, some more of his villa time now. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a strange one for him, really, because you know he's embarking on a new challenge for Stoke City. Aston Villa decided that they didn't need him this season, and he was one of the high-profile players that was re- released. But I think, you know, we're both in the agreement that we, you know, we hope he succeeds at Stoke and, and goes on and has a good career for himself still. Still only 31, so, you know, a couple of years left in the tank for him. I'm going to be honest, I'm still not totally over the fact he's left, but let, let's crack on. Here's our podcast with Jezza. James, thanks ever so much for joining us on 1874. It's a real pleasure to have you on. Looking forward to chewing the fat over your time at the Villa. But first off, you've just joined Stoke full-time. What, what are your aims personally for the new season? I think personally it's been a tough... 18 months really I've played maybe 16 league games I think while alone at Stoke and it's it's not a lot at all so I'd like to be spending more time on the pitch and see where that takes me in terms of my performances and, and where we finish with Stoke and I still have aspirations of playing for Wales again so we'll see how this season goes Yeah fingers crossed it'd be good to see you involved in the international setup again I'm going to rewind a bit and take you back to, to the start of your time at Villa Bit of a nightmare first season, really, for the club. It was a, it was a real transition for everyone getting used to the championship. Can you just talk a little bit about how difficult it was acclimatising at Villa and, and that first season in general? I think for me, coming off the back of the Euros, I was still on a high personally. So I didn't quite feel the negativity and, and the effect that the relegation had had on the club. But you know, I, I quickly realised with the, the start that we had you know, how difficult a task it was going to be. Um, you know, a really good task that I was I was looking forward to trying to to achieve, um, and I knew eventually we would you know manage to get the club back to the Premiership. It was obviously Roberto Di Matteo who signed you, James. I, I spoke to him recently, and um, he was very complimentary of you. Actually, I'll, I'll just read out very quickly what he said um, when I asked him about you. He said it was a no-brainer when the opportunity came up to sign James Chester. Firstly, a person with integrity, an intelligent player, reliable, and a source of inspiration for all of his colleagues. For his daily desire to improve and be the most competitive he could be, he was an immense pleasure to coach and manage. What, what have you been paying him to say such nice things like that? <laughs> <laughs> Love it though, aren't they? I've actually not spoke to Roberto since he lost his job, but I think if you look at the 10 games or so at the, the start of the, the season, you know, he's probably unfortunate in position he found himself in, really. We, you know, we're heading in quite a number of games and they don't draw in them or, or lost a couple where, you know, maybe we shouldn't and, you know, if things have gone slightly different. It might have been a different outcome for a bit, or, but I think I certainly, on a personal perspective, I enjoyed my time working with him, even though it didn't perhaps go how we all wanted to at the the start of the the first season in the championship. 
Yeah, it was a little bit chaotic, wasn't it? Those first, those first few months. And do you, I mean, do you think he probably deserved a little bit longer, just on on the face of it? All? I think he probably did, but you know, having met Doctor Tony and seen he, what he was like so so quickly, um, you know, I think it was something you know myself and everyone as a as a squad was you know expecting sooner rather than later. Sure, we've we've heard lots of interesting and funny and strange and quirky stories about Doctor Tony, but when when his name comes in, you know, into conversation, what what do you remember and what do you think of him? I just remember my f- my first day on signing for the club. I signed quite late on the Friday, so I trained on my own. And then as a squad, we had a meeting in the afternoon with the owner as a, a first introduction to the owner and a football club. I did question <laughs> perhaps what I'd, what I'd done at the time. It was. Um, <laughs> That's certainly a, a first for a, a meeting like that, that that I'd been involved in. But I think he was ambitious and you know wanted the club to, to be successful. It was perhaps a little erratic in the, the way he went about it. <laughs> Can't give us a little bit more. What was it like then? What was what was so strange about it? He, he was obviously speaking about himself, but he spoke about himself in the third person all the way through the meeting. And when it got to the end, he, he liked to tell us that if we hadn't guessed by now, that he was obviously talking about himself. Um, it was a strange meeting and then you know, a couple of weeks after that, after the season started and you know, results perhaps hadn't gone our way, he sent us all a video from, I think it was from his home computer and the position of the webcam was you know, really low <laughs> on his desk and we were just looking up at him and it, 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 it had been edited quite badly as well. So that was another strange one. Yeah, when we spoke to Tommy Elphick, he said that he's one of his first like meetings with him he got he got called in and told he had, he had a present and then he, he went in there and he was told that that should he sack the manager he was asked whether he thought the manager should get the sack <laughs> so it sounds like absolute chaos at, at Villa Park and keeping with that theme Tommy with Tommy Elphick theme anyway he he was captain at the club and Steve Bruce obviously arrived and you then became captain really really quickly when, when Tommy got injured and, and you kept the armband what what was that like were you, were you surprised to, be, to become captain so quickly James <laughs> I, I was yeah um I think I've said it a few times, it was never something I've aspired to be in my career, really. You know, I appreciate now what a, a huge honour it was to be captain of such a large football club, but you know, I was always focused on performing the best myself and you know, in turn helping the team in that regard. But I think it was just a circumstance of events, really, with Tommy becoming injured in. I think it was Steve's first game. Yeah, it was. And then I'd obviously played with, with Steve and had a good relationship with my time at, at Hull. He, he, he gave me the... The armband from there. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one with the captain's armband because then the season after you ended up passing it on again because John Terry signed and you had to give the armband up. What, what was that like for you? Because you strike me as being quite low maintenance, not not someone to kick up a fuss. But how does a manager go about telling someone that, that they're just having the captaincy taken taken off them? I know, I know it's John Terry, but still that m- must have been quite strange. It wasn't as strange as you may imagine. Really, I obviously knew that John was coming in, and you know the the career he had. You know, it, it seemed to make sense to me that that was going to be what was going, going to happen once once John came in but a gaffer pulled me to one side while he was in Portugal in pre-season just to tell me that you know those were his intentions he, he was looking forward to seeing me and John play as a partnership and how he, he would improve me his, my my game and like I say it was it was a pretty much no no brainer for me that, that that was going to be the the case anyway regardless whether you know, he told me or not. I, I learned pretty quickly, James, not to ask you questions about JT because I think every other journalist out there did. So, <laughs> I mean, sure. how, how long did it take <laughs> you guys just collectively as a team to before you, before those questions started to get annoying? I'm not sure. I know, you know, having done a lot of interviews and it tends to, tended to be more the, 
the national papers. Yeah. Every other question would be you know, about JT, which you know the the first two or three were absolutely fine um, and understandable with the the career he had, but <laughs> any more than that, it became a, a little bit tiresome. Sure, sure. I mean, press duties in general are probably about as popular as club fines, aren't they? So, you know, what 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 is it that players don't really like about it? I mean, because I always found you were you were quite willing to do them, and when when you when you were put up, you were you know very respectful and helpful for us. But I know some players don't really like it. What is it that they don't really like? I'm not sure. I think you know some aspects of it, regardless of what we say as people or players, you know, someone's always going to have an opinion on on that, whether people agree or. Or disagree. I think some players in general just don't like, you know, having to, to speak and, and ask questions in, in front of people. Certainly my first season I tended to be you know, put in front of the, the press and the media when times weren't you know going particularly well, which was not an easy thing to do, but you know, I understood that from the squad we had I was probably quite level-headed and probably the the best candidate to, to do that at the time yeah I think you were always very reasoned with you know the the responses you come out for um j- just for our listeners that don't really know about sort of what goes on behind the scenes at, at Villa Park and and Bodymore Heath the, the massage room was was always a place at Bodymore Heath that was a real hub for <laughs> you know the British players at least just just tell us what goes on there and you know who's the cheerleaders there who's joking around the most and why is it such a you know a popular room I'm not sure. I think in in any football club, the, the physio room tends to be the hub of you know the training ground. Certainly in the morning, you know players need work to to get themselves ready to to train, whether that be a massage or having the back cracked or strappings, any any number of things. And the the difference from Body More Heath is the massage room was separate to the physio room. <laughs> I think if we're honest, we just preferred the masseuse's banter more than we did the physio, so we all tended to be to be drawn in there in the morning and. You know, we'd have a laugh and have a chat about whatever events had been happening, you know, in the world the night before and we'd go out and train. Is it, is it nice to have that sort of release, you know, that sort of area where you can just sort of switch off and then, you know, just be lads rather than footballers? I think so. There's probably not many places, you know, certainly in, in Birmingham as a, an Aston Villa player, you can you can get together and, you know, have the conversations and, and things like that that we, we would have had in the massage room and, you know, be able to, to relax and, and know whatever we were speaking about was, you know, fine. And, um, <laughs> yeah, we were, we were safe yeah, to do sure. so. I just want to thank Greg because he obviously knew that you don't know questions about John Terry, so he stitched me up and made me ask the question about John Terry, which was, <laughs> was really, really good of him. I really appreciated that. Um, so your appearance record at Villa was obviously incredible until the night you got sent off against Preston. It was like a really, really hostile night. Obviously, a cabbage has been lobbed at the manager. Whelan's missed Mr. Penalty. Bruce, he sat the next day. And actually, I remember having to do a golf thing with you the, the day after, after you'd been sent off. And I was dreading it, thinking this is going to be the absolute <laughs> last thing he wants to do here. But what are your memories of that night? A strange night because Steve was obviously under... Um, pressure before yeah, massive. before the game and we were all well aware of that and we got off to a, a really good start actually I think we went 2-0 up I think my sending off happened pretty much straight after half time which I'm still upset and dubious about if I'm, if I'm completely honest to, to bring my run to bring my run of um, consecutive games to an end and also the effect and change it had on the game and Sleeve losing his job the next day was something that I took quite personal really you know I felt it was probably a lot down to me that he lost his job the next day having been sent off so that was that was quite difficult I've since seen the, the referee that sent me off that day <laughs> and he asked me if I'm still I'm still not speaking and so I said well do you still think still think you're right and he said well technically no I wasn't right <laughs> so 
I'm not sure that, that's any help in the future, but... <laughs> he owes you one. Yeah, it'd be nice, but I think he gave me a penalty against me again since, so... Oh, really? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped has just launched in the UK. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job, so you can be one of the first men in the country to experience Manscaped's life-changing products. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents, and the water-resistant technology also allows you to groom whilst in the shower. And we've got a special offer right now for all of you listening to 1874. Get 20% off and free shipping by using the code EPL20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code EPL20. Happy shaving. Just going back to Steve, it felt like he was quite good for you. You know, he had you at Hull and trusted you and leaned on you when he needed to gauge the opinion of, of some of the players at Villa. But you touched on it there, but it must have been quite a, you know, an upsetting day almost when he was sacked, when he was sacked for you. Yeah, like I say, personally, having you know, been sent off the night before, you know, I felt a bigger responsibility for that happening. But also having the, the relationship I had with him over you know, my time at Villa and I think I had two or three seasons with him at Hull. He, he probably becomes more than a manager player if you with with each other that long and the respect you, you have for each other. Yeah, and then Dane Smith ends up coming in. I think he was probably the popular choice amongst the fans. I think Dane Smith seemed to be the one that the fans wanted. And he came in, kept you as captain, even though he actually spoke about having five captains, didn't he? But he, and rotating it, but he, he never really got around to doing that. Being honest though, did, did you ever think he'd get the team up at the first time of asking? Probably not. I think he was a popular choice for the players as well. To be fair, we'd obviously played Brent, his Brentford team a couple of times um, and had not very much success. They were a, a really difficult team to, to play against and played really good football. So I think as a squad, we were we were pleased with, with the appointment. But yeah, to, to get us promoted from, from where we were was you know, going to be a, a huge ask. And James, just looking back, I mean, how many games do you think you were playing with that injury towards the towards that that where uh, when Dean first came in? I started to see signs probably still while Steve was at the club. I, mean, I don't think my performances from where I'd been at to the start of that season were particularly good. I started to notice a little bit more swelling in my knee than I'd have than usual. But the the first real sign that I remember was we played Derby away and we won three 0 and I don't remember any incident in the game at all having clash knees or going into a tackle but getting in the car to go home my knee was just just aching yeah. and um, it, it got no better the, the next day and then I went away with Wales I think that week with, with internationals and, and made them aware that my knee was a little bit sore but you know because there was no incident and you know and checking me on, on the, the medical table there was no, no real signs that any there was any um, you know serious damage there were people saying to you that you, you needed to stop? What was the advice you were getting at, at that time? Because I imagine there's people that you lean on and that you get advice as as a footballer. But were people saying to you, you need, you need to stop doing this, you're damaging your career? Not at that precise moment. Um, you know, the, the initial assessment was just because there was an extra bit of swelling in my knee. It was, it was pushing on you know, the, the muscles around the knee and that's why I was getting the pain. So as a footballer, I, you know, I want to play as many games as possible when I, I look back at the, the end of my career. So... That was music to my ears, really. Um, so I continued to play, but once I got back to Villa and the, the pain wasn't perhaps gone in the length of time that they thought it might have been. Um, you know, I had a, an MRI scan and the damage was you know, starting to appear and you know, the, the doctor at the time was you know, very honest with me and you know, he, he did advise that you know, I perhaps stop playing, but it was ultimately 
my decision. Um, I believe in how I look after myself, and I, you know, I probably thought that I'd be able to get the better of it, really. But the, the longer it went on, the the sorer it got. I mean, I guess what didn't help was the centre back situation at the, at the club. If ever there was a season we didn't need you carrying a knock, it was the 2018-19 season because basically we only had two proper centre backs, didn't we? But how much of a part did that play in, in you battling on? I'm, I'm imagining a huge part. Yeah, I think if the situation was different, I certainly would have stopped much sooner. It was you know, a, a day by day, week by week thing where we were assessing, you know, what what condition my, my knee was in. And I remember sitting down with, you know, the doctor and the manager in the doctor's office and, you know, telling him I was, I was more than willing to, to continue playing because January wasn't too far away until he was able to bring someone in and, you know, could perhaps have a, have a rest. But even then I didn't believe I'd be out for so long and, and once I stop playing that you know, I'd only play for, for Villa twice more. Yeah, that's a real shame. I mean, it's an incredible show of commitment and you could tell in, in your last game how much the fans, well, your last game at Villa Park, how much the fans really, really appreciate it. But could you believe that the club was in that situation of having so few centre-backs, James, regardless of your injury? It wasn't something I'd noticed up until <laughs> I felt like I needed some help, really. I found letting Tommy go with a strange decision once no one else came in. But even, you know, circumstances when I first, my knee first started to hurt, I think Mele, who'd been playing centre-half, was injured with a calf injury. So perhaps if, had he been fit, you know, it would have made my decision to, to stop playing a little bit more simple. And then I think Axel broke his metatarsal around Christmas time. So I, there wasn't really many more options other, to, other than to, to continue. I was thinking I might get a game myself at that point because our options were, were so thin <laughs> on the ground. Greg, Greg, do you want to crack on? No, that would never happen, Dan, so just always have no, that in your head. we wouldn't want it to happen, to be fair, no. <laughs> um, those, uh, th- those 10 games, James, you, you obviously weren't a part of, but when Villa went unbeaten, um, must have been something watching on from the sidelines thinking the momentum that they were gaining. I mean, could, w- would you have seen anything that Dean or the staff did different to sort of, you know... Um, yeah, spark that turnaround in four. I think the return of Jack helped massively. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, he's shown this season what what a top player he is, and certainly in the championship, he's um, you know better than anyone available in in that league. So I think his return was was huge, and you know, I think many teams have shown throughout history in the championship once you you get on a, a run, certainly at that time of the the season, and and you continue to win. Um, it gives you a, a really good chance of promotion and you know, thankfully that's what we, we managed to achieve. And obviously Jack as well on, on the playoff final when, when we won the trophy, he made sure you were there lifting it with him. How, how much did that mean to you? Was it, was it something you expected or, or was it just a great gesture from Jack? No, he, he spoke to me before the game and said, you know, if we were to win, he'd, he'd like me to come up, which was, um, yeah, really touching and something that I'll, I'll remember forever. Um I think that's that's what I've found with with Jackie's, you know, he, he's a lovely person and um, yeah, very very genuine and and really down to earth. And anyone that asks me, I've only got good words to to speak about Jack. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a massive thing for the club get to, getting back to the Premier League. We spoke to Tommy Elphick and he said at the end of the three years. I mean, I know he wasn't there throughout, but he was like they completed the journey and, and completed what they set out to do. Did did it feel like that to you? Even even though you obviously weren't playing the second half of the season. Yeah, I think, you know, for myself and Tommy joining when we did, that was our, our main aim and we, we signed to, 
you know, to get such a big football club back in into the Premier League, and it's you know it's not very often in your career you get the opportunity to do something that special. I think for a few of us that have been there for the whole period, and you know the, the disappointing journey it, it started on to to turn it around and and get the club promoted was a really proud moment. I think it's obviously great to talk to you I've obviously got tons of questions that I want to ask but the, this is probably the main thing that I did, did want to ask you obviously we're in the Premier League what what were your expectations at the club in the Premier League for, for yourself because when Dean went to three at the back especially and Tyrone Mings was injured I, I really felt there was a place for you in the side but it, it never really materialised and obviously you ended up joining Stoke on loan but were you ever disappointed that you didn't get a crack for Villa in the Premier League would you have been able to do it? Yeah, there was a there was a couple of occasions. I obviously had the untimely hamstring injury in in pre season, which sent me back in terms of playing any games in in pre season. But I was training fully for a number of months, and I think certainly around December time when results perhaps hadn't gone particularly well, I felt I was in with a, a real chance of playing. Um, I remember the Norwich game on Boxing Day. I think that was the first squad that I was actually involved in that. I felt I might have played in, in that one and then we lost the way to, to Watford and went to three at the back and I think it was Burnley away and I'd, like I said I'd been, I'd been training and I played the, the League Cup game and I, I felt like I was I was ready to, to play and I thought you know I had a really good chance of playing so certainly those two occasions I was, I was quite disappointed that I didn't get an opportunity Yeah I think we got an injury as well just as you left at centre back as well which probably would have opened up a space for you which was a bit annoying <laughs> as well because I remember you playing in the FA Cup game at Craven Cottage as well personally I thought you were the best centre back on the pitch that day so do you think if you'd have maybe even got, got on a sub a few times in the league do you, do you think you would have stayed rather than going on loan? Yeah I think leaving was the, the toughest decision I've, I've made in my career I, not in terms of the club I was joining, but just the sentiment I had for Aston Villa as a club and the people that are working there and playing in the Premier League for them would have would have meant so much. And I think if things had happened sooner, I would have certainly stayed. And to be fair, the gaffer spoke to me after the Fulham game and he, he said practically what you, you just told me there. He, he said I was the best player on the pitch and you know if anything was to happen, I was, I was to be next in line. And even when I was making the decision to, to leave, he, he told me he didn't want me to leave and um, how important I was to him and the football club. But you know, he, he understand the, the decision I was making and I just felt that that was the best way of having the, my, my career in my own hands, really, to, to leave and, and play football and, and show myself and, and other people that I could still do it. Yeah, I remember that Fulham game. I certainly felt the, the same, James, after... Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you moved to Stoke in the end because... You, you were quite close or they were certainly interested in signing you in 2018, weren't they? What what actually happened at that point? Because Villa were in a right mess financially, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a funny time that it was not something I wanted to do at the time. But I understood the, the situation that the football club were in. And to be fair, Steve was you know really honest and really good with me at the time. I remember him telling me that a, a bid had come in. Um, it perhaps wasn't enough at the moment but the club needed I think eight or nine million to, to stay afloat the, the following month and you know he felt Stoke were going to come in and, and offer that and if they did then there was a, a decision to be made but he asked me to, to hang fire a, a couple of days because you know he's aware of the, the takeover that was, was happening and um, it was a strange time because although I didn't want to, to leave you know it would have meant on a, a personal note I'd have had more years on a contract had I left and, and signed for Stoke um, and I told I told Steve that at the time and once the takeover happened you know he called me in the next day 
and said that you know the, yeah. the owners weren't going to sell me. Um, and he, he told he told them how important that was to the to the football club, and I, I believed then that you know there's, there's a possibility that I'd get a new contract. Um, but you know with the the events of of Steve getting getting fired, and then you know my my injury becoming known, those talks seemed to seem to die down really. Yeah, it was. A, I, I almost felt sorry for you at one point because I thought you know if out of all the players that he's, that deserved maybe an extension or you know increased terms or whatever, I thought you were certainly high up on that list. And then when it just sort of petered away, it must have been quite frustrating for you at that point. Yeah, it was. It was a little bit because you know Steve had, had told me what he, he told me the. The day after the the takeover, and I firmly believe what he said to me. Myself and Jack were, were called in one after another and told the the same thing. Um, but I think the, the frustration for me was I was trying to progress the the situation, but the the way the club would, was working had, had changed slightly with um, Suzo being brought in and Christine as the the new chief exec. And you know to actually get any information back was proving. A difficult task, if I'm completely honest. And you know, the longer it went on, you, you can start to to read between the lines. And yeah, that the contract didn't come. Yeah, it's just just a quite quite an awkward an awkward situation. Isn't it? I suppose just as a player, do you do you have just have to accept it almost and just get on with it and play your football and do what you can? Or you know, is there is there something that you you can maybe do to just try and fire up the you know <laughs> a, the conversation? I, 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 I can't imagine how it works. That's all. <laughs> in in the situation the club was in at the time, and me continuing to play as the only centre half, I, I perhaps could have used that situation to to my advantage to at least get an answer from the club at, at the time. But that's not the type of person I am as such. And um, yeah, I can I continue to play regardless. Yeah, I mean, I think it speaks volumes of your attitude. To be fair, that you've got you've got the injury going on, you've got the contract situation going on, but you, ne- you never really let it affect you. Just wondering, just just thinking back to before that Fulham game and, and the financial situation, were the players aware that if they lost that game, that things were, were so bad at the club financially? No, nothing at all. No, no one had a, no one had a, the slightest inkling. I remember I got married the day after that game, and then quickly went on holiday. With my honeymoon, and I actually bumped into JT while he was away, and he, he said he spoke to to Stephen. The situation at the club, yeah. you know, it was pretty horrendous, really. Um, I think at the time he was perhaps thinking about staying, but I don't think the, the finances would would have allowed that. And you know, he, he was saying about young pros having you know contracts perhaps taken away from them, or certainly being offered less money than what had been agreed so I think after that conversation it quickly sank in that the, the club might be in, in serious trouble yeah, I think he ended up giving up a month's wages didn't he John Terry I think he, he had another month left on his contract and, and he sacrificed it because he knew how bad the finances were just taking you back to that day again because it was, it was definitely my worst day as a Villa fan what's it like having to get married after that <laughs> as strange as it sounded it was probably a, a godsend really um, you know, to have yeah. a whole summer stewing on you know the the playoff final defeat um, and thinking what could have been. You know it was would have been tough, but to have you know my, my wedding the next day and have no option really but to to enjoy the day and um, the honeymoon after probably did me a favour. If I'm if I'm completely <laughs> honest, where was the honeymoon, James? I went to Mykonos for a week. Um, oh right, no, it's not. Which was which was lovely, but I remember coming down for for breakfast in the morning and the the restaurant looked out over the sea. And yeah. the, there was a huge yacht in the water and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking that looks very similar to the boat that JT's on <laughs> so I've got, I've got my phone out I've texted him 
I said, is this you ruining my view? And he just ran me laughing. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> so you've had to field questions about him all summer. You try and get away for your honeymoon and, and there he's, he is. He's ruining me view. <laughs> brilliant. Um, do, do, I mean, just very, just very briefly, going back to that period, you know how bad it was for the club at that time. The fact that they've seemed to turn things around now and... You know, because it could have easily gone the other way, couldn't it? It could have easily been relegation again, or you know, staying in the championship. The fact that they got promoted back into the Premier League and are now seemingly kicking on. I mean, just just how bad was it at, at that point, James? Do you think? Which point? Uh, after the Fulham game, Oof. and and then when things were going, you know, it seemed to be because you know all the stories were coming out, the missed tax bills, and players were concerned about whether they were going to get their July pay. I think the one month and. And, you know, the financial problems, the money wasn't coming over from China. It just seemed like the club was really heading in, in the wrong direction. Yeah, I think we perhaps felt like as players in a, a squad at the time. I think the size of the, the football club, I don't think any, any of us believed that someone would allow it to, to disappear. I think we all felt someone would eventually take over. It was just when and if it, would, if it was to be soon enough. It, it made certainly pre-season and the, the start of the season. Are quite difficult. Yeah, and, and the fact that the club have probably were probably saved by the current owners. Do you see a bright future for them now? Now that they survived last year. Yeah, I do. I think you know since uh, the owners have came in and and Christian as chief exactly the evidence that I've seen. Um, you know, only tells me that they want the club to to continue to proceed and get better and better. I think had they been relegated last season, it might have slowed that down. But I think that the fact that they're they're in the Premier League again for another season, I imagine that they're only going to continue to invest and you know, improve the, the team on the pitch and you know the, the training ground and stadium etc and make it a, a huge club again what, what do you think Villa will, will need this summer to, to have a more successful season because although we're all delighted we, start, we started up it's never great still finishing 17th and scraping by what, what do you think the club needs in the summer James? <laughs> it was a strange season really I felt in some games the lads looked as if they were improving and adapting and showing you know the, the ability that Obviously, it brought them to the football club. I think possibly some more experience, certainly Premier League experience, would help massively. It's obviously, struggle for goals and and Wes getting the you know the really bad injury that he got. Um, you know, I think strengthening in that area. And um, I don't think you you can have enough creative players in in the Premier League to to create chances. So I think you know, I know the the club have Amar and and Trez as wide men, but. You know, after that, there's not an awful lot of backup to to come. So I th- I'd, I'd imagine that the, the club will be looking in those areas to strengthen. And what happens next for you, James? Still only 31. You've got another little one on the way. You delved into a bit, a bit of journalism as well <laughs> over lockdown, doing doing your weekly column for the Athletic. Well, what's next for you? Can you start thinking about what comes up after football? I think so. I think the injury and the the time I had away from the pitch, and you know, some days where I wasn't sure whether I'd play again or not, has probably forced me into thinking that way a, a little earlier than. I'd ever imagined and I've just found myself saying yes to more yeah. things where I perhaps would have said no like the podcast for example and, and doing the <laughs> the columns for, for the Athletic um, you know I perhaps would have said no a year or so ago but the injuries made me made me think that football isn't going to be here forever and I'm going to need something to, to keep myself busy and not drive myself mad with two kids in the house 
We'll give you a good reference, James, if ever you want to join us. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, we wish you all the best with what comes next, mate. You know my thoughts because I plastered them all over social media, but you've been a class <laughs> for Villa and you'll definitely be missed at the football club and I'm sure every Villa fan wishes, wishes you nothing but success for the new season. So thanks ever so much for coming on 1874, mate. No, thank you. And- Thank you for, for letting me represent the wonderful football club. The economy is getting back underway, and with it, so is the world of sport. With Bloomberg and The Athletic, you can stay ahead of the curve thanks to two world-class news desks covering developments across finance, economics, technology and sports. Subscribe to Bloomberg.com, and if you are not already a subscriber to The Athletic, for a limited time, you can receive a complimentary Athletic subscription. Go to Bloomberg.com slash subscribe to sign up today. 